Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Turn, if you wouldn't, to uh, Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 11. And Nehemiah chapter 11. What a blessing the music was tonight. And Nehemiah chapter 11. So we have tonight and next Sunday night. And we'll, be, we'll conclude our study of the book of Nehemiah. We covered Nehemiah being called and going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and how God supplied their needs, how God protected them both from the enemy, uh, the enemies without and the enemies within, and how God brought revival among them, how Nehemiah, such a great organizer and leader, some of the, some of the if not the best uh, leadership uh, material uh, is found in the book of Nehemiah. If you follow the leadership of Nehemiah, what a, what a tremendous example. And then we see again chapters 8, 9, 10, uh, revival taking place, a lot of principles there of revival that we have drawn from and how God not only did he you know bring them back uh, give them the you know the temples done now the walls are built but he also brought a great and, and lasting revival in, there in the city of Jerusalem and we see that continued here in chapter 11 when the people uh, prepared for the dedication of the wall and again the people were willing and the people were joyful uh, they were thankful, and I'm not going to take time to read the entire two chapters, but if you'll read them, go back and read them. Not only is there a lot of lists there, so we're not going to read those, but you'll see that this group was thankful, and this group was thankful, and this group was thankful, and this group was thankful. I know the Bible says in the New Testament there, and Timothy says that in the last days people will be unthankful. And we do live in an unthankful world, and, and many times we find ourselves being unthankful. And so the people were just so thankful at what God had done for them and how God had blessed them. And so the walls were complete, revival was ongoing, and so now it's important that Jerusalem be protected. Chapter 11, verse 1. And the rulers of the people dwelt in, uh, at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of the ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men and w- that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Verse 20 of the same chapter, and the residue of Israel, of the priests, the Levites, were, all, were in all the cities of, Judea, of Judah, everyone in his inheritance. And it goes on to speak about that. Look at the last part of verse 22. And of the sons of Asaph, the singers were over the business of the house of God. For it was the king's commandment concerning them that a certain portion should be for the singers due for, uh, for every day. Now look with me in chapters 12. Again, in chapter 12, you have the priests return from, a list of the priests who return from Babylon, a list of the Levites that return from Babylon. And then in verse 27, the dedication of the wall. Verse 27, chapter 12. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals and psalteries and with harps. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together both out of the plain of country around about Jerusalem and the villages of Netephatha, also from the house of Gilgal and out of the fields of Geba 
and Asmatheth. For the singers had builded them villages around about Jerusalem. Look at verse 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people at the gates and the wall. Look at verse 43. And also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was what? Heard even afar off. Great rejoicing took place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the good day you've already given us. We pray, Lord, that you'd be with us tonight as we preach. Lord, may we remember to be a thankful people, a dedicated people. In Jesus' name, amen. So it was important that once the walls have been set up, we've already talked about how Nehemiah began to organize them, you know, that make sure that the gates were opened at a certain time and closed at a certain time, that there was people who were over certain areas of the government and over the certain areas of the city. And here he says, okay, if we're going to have this great city and all this great walls are back up, uh, there needs to be a few people living inside the city <laughs> because they had built them cities outside the walls and throughout, throughout Judah. Uh, even there you read about the singers had built them a city outside the walls of Jerusalem. So he needed uh, those who would, who would be willing to live inside the city. And so what happened was the princes, those who were uh, of the leadership and those who were the rulers lived inside the city plus another 10% of the people, and those were chosen by lot, by lot, basically by uh, drawing straws, you know, picking straws. And so, uh, and it's more complicated, really not more complicated than that. But God directed it, and so a great amount of people there were were, uh, instructed, and if you go on and you read about it, they were willing uh, to live inside the city walls, to stay inside the city so we see through the, here, the principles found here, two or three things, all right? Number one, we see the, the uh, occupation. Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, they occupied the city. Occupied the city. So we would draw some principles from this. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. The people occupied the city to protect it, uh, to facilitate the city, and we need to occupy till Jesus comes. And if you, read the, if you read there, you notice that they had certain talents, certain uh, gifts that they were using inside the city, that God used them immensely. Can I tell you that Romans 12 and also Roman, and 1 Corinthians 12 say that God has given to every person gifts. If you're saved tonight, if you're a born-again Christian, when you got saved, God gave to you gifts. In other words, God gave you talents and, uh, and gifts to be used of Him in the church, to be used in the church. God gave you a voice. You got to be using that voice for the Lord. Amen? I, I still, it, it boggles my mind sometimes to see somebody playing in the honky-tonk on Saturday night and singing at church on Sunday. Uh, God didn't give you that voice or ability to play an instrument to play at the honky-tonk. Hello? That's what we used to call them. They still called those? He didn't give you that talent to sing at a bar. Yeah? Amen. He gave you that talent to sing for him at his church to help edify, build up the body uh, uh, the family of God. And so those gifts were given to each person as God saw fit. He gave to each person as he saw fit, not, not how you saw fit. And so God gave those gifts to individuals. Some received more gifts than others. And so many times if we're not careful, we find ourselves envying other people's gifts. And so just again, just a reminder that we ought to happily serve the Lord with the gifts we've been given. And whatever area of service that God has given us, whatever area of service that he has 
uh, instructed us to do, that we willingly serve him in that area. These individuals were willing to occupy the city of Jerusalem. Uh, I have no doubt if, in reading this that there were some who, when they drew their lot, and they drew that lot out, and they found out they were going to live in Jerusalem, there's some of those people who already had built a house outside the walls. And they had to say, God has chosen this. This is what God wants. I'll stay. I will willingly, I will willingly place myself and my family inside the city walls. And we must be willing to place ourselves in the will of God and, and gladly serve Him in the place where God has put us, no matter what that may be. And it may seemingly be a menial task, or it may be that you don't like being in the forefront and, and now you've been shoved into the forefront and God has placed you there, but we're willing to serve there and serve the Lord. To serve gladly. Serve gladly. If you are serving the Lord, and that is your motivation. I mentioned here a while back about the dedication of missionaries going to a foreign field to serve the Lord. And when they go there, their motivation, if they're not careful, might be the people. Do you understand that a missionary's motivation can't be the people? And I kind of tell you, if you're going to serve in a Sunday school class, your motivation can't be the people. It can't be your primary motivation. Now, we want to reach people, do all the things, but that can't be your primary motivation. The primary of, of, of a missionary, the primary motive of a missionary should be to please God. Because sometimes, uh, maybe more often than not, you can't please your fellow man. That my, my job isn't to please my fellow man, my job is to please the Lord. And if my, if my eyes and my goals and everything will be set on pleasing Him, it won't matter what my fellow man does. It won't matter what, if, if my classroom is full or not. If I've worked at it, then I've been trying to please the Lord by working at it. Then as long as I have pleased Him, it doesn't matter, again, what my fellow man has done. We must serve the Lord. Christian service in His will is changed from drudgery to luxury. How? Well, knowing you're in His will, by His grace and by His power. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. If you are in God's will, guess what's going to happen? The devil's going to fight you. And, and he's going to put roadblocks up for you. Uh, you do something for God, the devil hates that. A church that's doing something for God, the devil hates that. And he's going to do everything he, he can to fight you and discourage you. Can we be reminded that we have an enemy? who, again, as we said just a, a couple of weeks ago, that walks about seeking whom he may devour. And he, he wants to see you. He wants to see you quit. He wants to see you serve out of necessity and not out of love. He wants to see you serve in a state of uh, discouragement. He wants to see you judge through your service rather than happily serve. So we should happily serve the Lord. And if we're not happily serving the Lord, if we're not serving happily and joyfully, then it's something that's on our end, not on God's end. In the midst of service, God gives us grace. In the midst of service that is hard, God gives us more grace. In the midst of service that is greater than we ever expected, God gives us greater measures of grace that we never expected. In other words, God will give us more than we ever, ever thought of if we rely upon His power and not ours. When you go back to school this week, it's important that you understand that you need the Lord. We need the Lord. We, we need His power. We need, we need His help. We can't live this life and serve on our own. So, 
We are to occupy using the talents and using the gifts God has given us. And then delegation. And we see throughout all these two chapters, Nehemiah and the delegation that takes place. Everyone has an appointed task. Everyone has an appointed task in order that everyone could be cared for. I I just kind of allude this morning to our Sunday school lesson that every Sunday school teacher, care group leader has been given a task to help care for our church. To, yes, reach people, but also to teach and care for our church family. To see to see that everyone is taken care of. Every ministry is important. It points out in, in verse 22 and 23, the singers. I don't know that our choir gets enough credit, you know? That was a good song this morning. Really. The, the, the choir sets the tone. It really does. The choir and the music set the tone of the service. And the singing and the singers are important. The singers in, the day, in this day, in this, uh, in this time, were there to encourage the praises of God. They were, encur- they were there to encourage the community to praise God. And can I tell you, choir, when you stand up here, that you're, you know, part of what you're doing is you're encouraging the congregation to sing. When you sing louder, the congregation will sing louder. Honestly. When, you're, when you have a, at least somewhat of a smile on your face, the congregation, smiles are catchable. You know, you can start smiling. Everybody will start smiling. I can do it right now. Just start smiling. It'll catch them. And uh, we, we, we understand that no task is small in, in God's eyes. Every task that, he's been, that he gives and every task that's been given for, for the church and for the, um, the delegation of the church duties, all are important to God. There is no seemingly small task in the work of the Lord. Or there's no really seemingly large task in the work of the Lord. In God's eyes. In God's eyes. Amen? They're, 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 you know, I read an illustration of a 18-year-old lady who had served the Lord um, all her teenage life, and then at the age of I forget what it was, 20-something, uh, was, had a disease and got paralyzed from the neck down. And the preacher came to visit her, and this is after she had been paralyzed for nine years, and he came to visit her, and he said, "What am I going to What am I going to say to her?" Here's a young lady that in the, her prime, struck by disease and now paralyzed, been in bed for nine years. And he said, I don't even know what to say to her. So I, I don't know, I don't know how I could be a blessing to her. And he got there and she, she was a faithful servant in the church. And he, when he got there, he walked into the room and she was smiling, such, such a joyful spirit. And uh, he began to ask her, how could you have such a great attitude and a great demeanor and just a positive... And she said, well, God allowed this to happen. Yeah, but you were, you, were doing, you were serving these missionaries, and you were serving in the church in this area, and you were doing this and that. And she said, well, now, now I get to pray. She said, my fellowship with God is sweeter, and my walk with God is closer than it's ever been. Had I not been struck by this disease, I would never experience that. I mean, she could see the good in the trial that she was in. She could see how God brought it about for her good. I'm just saying, wherever God puts you, wherever God plants you, it's not big or small areas. That if you, if you simply are praying for your pastor and praying for your church and, and praying for the staff and for the missionaries, God will use that. God will use that. I was mentioning to someone the other night, him and I were talking, this is there in the church parking lot, how one day we're going to get to heaven. I truly believe this. I'm not being pious. 
I, I believe this, when we get to heaven, there'll be much greater rewards given to some who have never recognized and were never brought in front of the church and were never patted on the back. And those who do those, those tasks that seemingly are small, there'll be greater rewards for them in heaven than some of us who are out in the forefront. And that's some of us, because when we're in the forefront, many times the glory doesn't all go to God. We find ourselves prideful and selfish many times, wanting, you know, wanting that, <laughs> anyway, wanting the glory, right? If we're not careful. Again, no small task, no big t- task with God. All tasks are important. And wherever you may be entrusted to serve the Lord, and you do it with all your might. That we, that we, whatever you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And may we, may we be dedicated to the task that we've entrusted with and that uh, understanding that we can trust God. In other words, whatever gifts and talents God has given you, he gave you. Whatever gifts and talents he gave to the person across the aisle from you, he gave them those talents. And all you, all you to do is be a good steward of the talents God has given you. And, and he or she is to be a good steward of the talents that they've been given. And if you have a gripe about how many talents you've given, you might want to gripe at God, which is not a good thing. Well, the preacher don't use me, blah, blah, you know. Listen, if, you, if, you're, if you're tone deaf, you're tone deaf. Right, John? I mean, I pointed that out a couple of weeks ago. You're tone deaf, you're tone deaf. You shouldn't sing in a choir. Love you, John. Whatever God calls you to do, you should do with all your might. Again, all of us as Christians, if you are in God's will, if you are in God's will, doing God's will, and dedicated to doing God's will, in other words, serving him, you will experience trials and detours in this life. Satan, he'll do everything he can to get you off track. He'll get everything he can to discourage you. Everything. Let's be reminded of that. What's the secret to victories in serving him? Well, number three is dedication. The secret to victory in serving the Lord is dedication. And we see this here as they dedicated the walls in verses, chapter 12, verses 27 through 30. Also again in verse 43, where the joy was heard afar off. The joy at the dedication of the wall, that was the joy of the Lord. It said the, the, the Lord, look there in verse, 12, verse 30, it said 43, and God had made them to rejoice with great joy. God had made them to joy, rejoice. The wall was built in fear and trembling, but the dedication was an occasion of great joy and victory. They dedicated and surrendered the city and themselves to God and, and to his glory. They didn't just dedicate, the priests didn't just dedicate themselves. No, they, they dedicated themselves, they dedicated the people, and then they dedicated the wall. They dedicated the city for God. How, did, how was this accomplished? They, they purified themselves. Verse 30, they purified themselves. In other words, the joy that they were experiencing was more than skin deep. The dedication process was more than just an outward ceremony. It was more than just superficial. In other words, as they dedicated the walls, they dedicated the people, they really meant it. If you go back and you read about the revivals during the days of Josiah, there was absolutely an outward revival that took place in the days of Josiah. But if you read closely, you'll see that many of those people were uh, participating in the revival because uh, they had to. And these people were not doing that. They were there, had been purified. If you read again the, the chapter, they had purified themselves. 
The joy was more than skin deep. They were sincere in their praise and thanksgiving to God. They were sincere in their praise. They were, the singers were sincere in their singing. They were sincere in their thanksgiving to God. And, and you'll see group after group after group thanking him and thanking God and thanking God for all that he had done. We know this also by their outward expression in giving. Verse 44 speaks about them setting aside certain places and, and they began to give again to, to, the, uh, to the temple and, and so forth. And this was already happening some, but now there's a, a steady flow, if you would, of the tithes and offerings coming in. Not only did they give it themselves, but they gave of their finances. They were totally surrendered. As you read the two chapters, you'll find that in their thanksgiving, they're thanking God for what he's done. And really, they're thanking God for his mercies. I think as you read throughout the Old and New Testament, we find the greatest motivator for surrender is mercy. In other words, the mercy of God. The mercy of God is the greatest motivator for surrender, consecration, and dedication. If we're going to be dedicated to God, the best way to do that is to remember his mercy. Man, we serve a merciful God. We serve a God of mercy. As you read chapters 12, you'll notice that David is mentioned five times. As we think about David in his life, that in spite of his sin, in spite of his sin of counting the people, in spite of his sin of killing Uriah, in spite of of the sin of committing adultery with Bathsheba, and And in spite of the sin of not reigning in his kids, the Bible still describes him as a man of God. And even more than that, describes him as a man of God, a man after God's own heart. I believe as you study the life of David, you find that over and over again, as he uh, trips and falls into those sins, that when he is approached, that he absolutely turns from those sins and repents. He was a man after God's own heart. A man surrendered fully to God. A man, if, if you'll remember when God is talking to Solomon, he not only says, Solomon, you need to do this and this, but he says, you, you need to basically follow the heart of your dad, David. What a heart it was. David understood his need for God. He understood his need to, to know God in a greater way. Because it's through the mercies of God and, and understanding how God has been so merciful to us and recognizing that, that we recognize our need for him. All that to say, we ought to be yielded to him, yes. We ought to surrender to him, yes. We ought to be dedicated to the Lord. He is a merciful God. And we look back in our life and we see the mercies of God over and over again. In other words, God not giving us what we deserve. Over and over again, God did not give David what he deserved. And God blessed David. Again, God punished him. But God blessed him above all measure. It's amazing as you read the life of David. And God has blessed you. And God has blessed me above measure. Certainly above what I deserve. Way above what I deserve. We serve a merciful God. God gave his son for us. Again, undeserving as we are, God loved us and merciful to us. Yes, yield to him, yes. But also understanding that we take something from him. In other words, we have a need for him. In our service for him, we must understand that we need him in service. We need him in that surrender. You, you can't, you know, teach a class. You can't 
serve him in any capacity in the church, no matter how small you may think that is or how large you may think that is, you need the Lord. If you're going to speak to your next door neighbor and give him the gospel, you need the Lord. If you're going to tell a fellow student at school about Jesus, you need the Lord. Because when we begin to serve him on our own power, that's when we becomes miserable. Oh, we can do it a while, but eventually it becomes miserable. Misery eventually becomes a drudgery. Again, remind you, if ministry is a drudgery to you, it's not on God's part, it's on yours. God, God hasn't moved. He's right there. God will help you through. And God will empower you. God will give you the grace you need. Again, we, we de- define grace this morning as God's unmerited favor, even unto an enablement. In other words, God didn't just save us by his grace, but we're to live by his grace. Just like he saved us by faith, we're to live by faith. He saved us by grace through faith. And we're to live by grace through faith. And it's the grace of God that empowers us to live daily, every day. You say, well, preacher, I, I just feel like I'm at the end of my rope when it comes to service around here. And I'm at the end of my rope when it comes to my, my next door neighbor. I've witnessed to him a thousand times and that just got nowhere. Well, maybe it's the thousand and one time. <laughs> you know, maybe I've been witnessing to my husband or I've been witnessing to my cousin for 20 years. And well, maybe it's the 21st year that he gets it. We just must continue. If it's God's will uh, that you serve in that capacity, you, you continue to serve. And if you're serving in God's will, there will come uh, trials because Satan hates a Christian. He hates a Christian <laughs> that's in God's will. He'll do everything he can to put up roadblocks in for, for you. We need God's power. If we're miserable in our work, then it's our fault. We need to be a faithful steward. God has given us great opportunity to serve him in whatever capacity that is. Now, we, we talked about church, but we have many other areas where we serve him. And we should do all we can for him, that he may be glorified and magnified in our lives. So how do we do that? Well, we, we ought to be dedicated. Um, we're not just talking about church. We ought to be dedicated at home. In other words, God ought to be, ought to be glorified and magnified in our home. God has given us the opportunity to raise children, many of us, most of us. Most of, a lot of you this tonight, you get an opportunity to influence your grandchildren. And when we do so in a way that would magnify God and glorify him, make our house, our houses, a place of tranquility, if you would, for our home, a place of spiritual blessings, uh, making sure that there's a family altar there, making sure that uh, the place is a place where uh, kids feel comfortable talking to mom and dad and, and mom and dad are raising their kids, as I said this morning, and not just, uh, you know, not just letting them go. In other words, Is your home a Christian home? Is your home a home that magnifies God and glorifies Him? We ought to be dedicated to the task. We ought to be dedicated in our our jobs. If we see our jobs correctly, our jobs ought not just to be a job, it ought to be a calling. Not all people are called to be full-time in the ministry, but everybody's called to be full-time preacher in their place of business. You ought to be influencing those around you for the cause of Jesus Christ. You ought to be dedicated to telling others of Jesus by not only telling them, but also living the, and, and talking the talk, walking the walk. As they see your testimony and, and they ask questions and all those things, you ought to give an opportunity to pre- teach them the gospel, give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
If we are to uh, practically, if we ought to be a dedicated Christians, if we ought to be Christians who are occupying till he comes and, and uh, we've been given uh, the, the task, delegated the task of telling others, then we ought to do so. Not only in our home and in our jobs, but our country needs us. I'm telling you, we live in a dark hour. And, the, and it, it just, it just uh, sometimes I feel like we're just about, about that deep, you know. But may we remember that we are to be a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That we ought to be that light. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. And we ought to be that light on a daily basis. In our country. We ought to be good, productive citizens. Amen? Amen? Our, 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 our boss at our work ought to want a hundred of us. Because of our, trust, our trusting, being honest, our integrity, because of our Christian character, not a one hundred of us may not be the may not be the most ta- talented and you know the best worker in, in his, at the job, but just because of your testimony, he ought to want a hundred of you. She ought to want a hundred of you. Amen. Good productive citizens, teenagers. Good productive citizens. Our country needs us. Politicians aren't the solution to the United States problem. It's Jesus Christ. But Jesus is not going to come down in 100-foot Jesus and tell everybody what to do. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to speak through you. Right? He's going to live through you. I wish I had a Philistine illustration this morning. I didn't do good with Josh. Remember we had Josh up here this morning? Some of you were working in Children's Church and other places. You know, we think about us, uh, you know, me, Josh looking like me, that you can tell absolutely that he's a Crawford. There's no doubt about it. He's got the nose and everything. Right? Right, Josh? Where's he at? Maybe he didn't come tonight. I think it's with his girlfriend. That's a whole nother. She goes to a good independent Baptist church. Um, but what I'm saying is, as we get closer to Jesus, we ought to look a little bit like him. If you talk to Josh very long, he's, he has some of the same... Uh, I, Lord bless him. Some of the same, you know, accent and some of the same terminology. If you listen to my dad and listen to me, like for instance, my, my dad uses the word howdy all the time. And I find myself, that's my, kind of my greeting, howdy. But I, my dad does that, you know. I, I look a little bit like him. I act a little bit like him. I talk a little bit like him. Hello? Others ought to see Jesus in us. Uh, they ought to see the Lord in us. They ought to be able to tell that we've been with Jesus. They ought to be able to tell that we are Christians. In other words, we ought to, again, practically speaking, if we ought to occupy, if we, ought to, uh, we are dedicated to the task and we're to be dedicated to the task, then we ought to be so in our home. We ought to be so in our, bu- our place of business, where we work. We ought to be in our country. And then lastly, in our church, which we've already gone over a lot tonight. We ought to use what God has given us to edify the body of Christ, to lift up and to, to uh, help this group of Christians, encourage this group of Christians, encourage this church family. You ought to use what God has given you, and if you are to be in his will, then you ought to use those talents and gifts to be a blessing to this body and to this group. You know what? Sometimes it, 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 can, be, it can be challenging. You know what? And people are people. 
people are going to disappoint you. Even, even good, good family disappoints us from time to time, right? And sometimes our church family disappoints us. But you know what? I'm not here to serve the church family per se. I'm here to serve God. My purpose is to magnify and glorify Him. And I, I'm to be about the task that God has given me, dedicated to that task, surrendered to that task that He has given me to occupy. And then what happens? I'm telling you, if you're in God's will, if you're occupying, if, you're, if, if you are taking on that, that delegation that He's given you, whatever task that may be, and then you're dedicated to the task, then what happened in Jerusalem will happen in your life. Jesus Christ not, did not just come to give us heaven. He came to give us a better life now. He came to give us joy more abundant. And you as a Christian ought to be experiencing that joy. As they dedicated the, as they dedicated the wall, there was great joy. In fact, it says specifically that God made them to rejoice. And as we think about what the Lord has done for us, and we think about, man, how good he's been to us and how merciful he is to us, we rejoice. I'm thankful he's called me to preach. I'm thankful he called me to the ministry. And there are times that I serve a little bit in the drudgery or because I have to. But boy, that should not be the majority of the time. And, if, and, when, I do, and when I am serving because... It, because I have to or, or I feel that way or I, I feel like it's too much or it's a drudgery and uh, I, when I get up I'm not excited about what I'm doing that's not God's fault it's mine it's mine and so I need to go back and find again and serve in the power of the Lord and not in my own power he certainly will help you God's rejoicing great rejoicing will take place as we are occupying and delegating and dedicated to the task, praising Him and remembering God's for His mercy, God for His mercy. Let's all stand. Hymn one eighteen. I need thee every hour. How's your joy tonight? How are you occupying tonight? Are you dedicated tonight to the service? Not just the service here at church, but again, dedicated at home, dedicated in the place of business, dedicated again as you go throughout to here in our community of uh, just letting others see Jesus in you. And may we. Uh, we step up to the challenge and to the task. And as we do so, we'll experience that rejoicing and, and, uh, and joy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the power that you've given us to live the Christian life. Lord, may we uh, continually understand and, uh, and come to you with that need. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org